Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by Preston Jacobs, or I should I call you now, Papa Jacobs. What's up, Papa Jacobs? Uh, how's it going? How's it going? Mm, so, how does the how how is fatherhood? Um, I mean, fatherhood is is a lot like uh, many other kind of rites of passage that you have in your life that you mm. you think are going to be really really groundbreaking and change but uh you kind of wake up the next day and you're like huh i'm the same person and this goes for like you know people that are like oh when you turned 18 or when you turned 30 or when you turned 40 or when you lose your virginity or when you get married like you you kind of think that you're going to wake up the next day different but you wake up the same person (laughs) you know well, lovely then. Uh, <laughs> guys, welcome back to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. Today we'll be finishing out uh, Game of Thrones Season 8 uh, with Episodes 5 and 6, the last two episodes of the entire series. And this very may very well be, for a long time at least, the last episode of the Game of Thrones podcast where we cover the show until the prequels uh, come in. But as always, guys, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms. And if you do check us out on iTunes, then please do leave us a review. It does help out a lot. And I also enjoy reading your comments, even some of the douchey ones. We should should tell people that, you know, this is not the end of of Carmine and Preston podcasting. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I, I've made sure everybody knows that we're we're definitely coming back uh, fairly soon, actually, on your channel, uh, and we're starting up Fire and Blood once again. Yes, and on top of that, we're going to be talking about uh, Watchmen, mm-hmm. and when Westworld premieres, I imagine we'll be talking about Westworld. And, you know, and the like Mandalorian, this. Star Wars, the and Mandalorian. The Ma- you're right, yeah. the Mandalorian, so many things. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, so dude, God. It's, 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 it's really not over. Plus, there's so much more things to talk about in regards to Game of Thrones. Now that the show is out of the way, and we're going to go back to like uh, the books in a sense, yeah. we're also, I'm also going to, uh, you know, if you're cool with that, take requests from the audience to cover individual characters, events in the throne's history, so on and so forth, and just make like a like a dedicated video to that. Some of them might even be Patreon exclusives for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon. We'd love to show you guys some love, uh, so look forward to that very soon. Okay, so Preston, I also leave your thoughts and comments down below. You know the drill, Preston. Let's let's get to this. But before we do, um, how have you been, man? Like we haven't. It's been a while since we really gotten together because you know you've been busy, <laughs> I've been busy. It, it's been it's been a little it's been a while. We we haven't recorded even though we re, uh, we released uh, something a few weeks ago. It's actually been yeah more than a month, maybe a month and a half since we've recorded anything. I feel like even, it's been even longer. Yeah, two I months feel like since we recorded m- anything. Maybe maybe Man. two months. Mm. Yeah, you've been busy with life. Enough. You 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 have... yes. You, I I have I have had a child and you have you have moved so. Unfortunately, um, God, I fucking yeah. regret the decision to move. Fucking hate. No offense <laughs> to any Midwesterners out there, but you guys in the Midwest, you're out of your fucking minds. The food here is just very, eh, and the weather is so fucking crazy. Holy shit, so fucking crazy. Tornado, tornado is gonna take. I mean, this is where like the Wizard of Oz is not actually so uh, outrageous. You know? Yeah, the <laughs> weather is. Tornado, tornado season comes. <sighs> Well, the weather is so fucking crazy, dude. Like, it doesn't just rain, it fucking rains. It doesn't just storm, it storms. Like, it's not, it's just, oh, God. Anyways, let's get to uh, the real storm here. Uh, you're on Greyjoy and, and season eight. Um, so, we, 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 we last left off, we, we, we finished up with episodes one through four, and mm-hmm. now we're talking about episode five. Which five and six. 
I, I do have to say, whoever put together the intro reel, like the, the, the previously on, like this is a, you know, I'm going back, my anger has dissipated, and mm. I'm going back, and I'm, I was like searching for things that I really liked in these last episodes. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say that whoever put together the, the previously on reel for, the episode, for episode five did a really freaking good job. They did, you know, they did a really freaking good job in making Daenerys look insane uh, and then, you know, capping it off with Viserys's you don't want to wake the dragon, where you think when Viserys says that he's talking about himself, but thematically in the story, he's actually talking about Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Whoever put together the little previously on did a very good job, probably a better job than the actual show, which did not establish Daenerys as insane. But <laughs> This is something actually that I have always hated about The Walking Dead back when I watched it religiously in season one, two, and three, is the guy who was in charge of the next time on The Walking Dead. Like, that guy needs yeah. to be... Was, need, that, I hope that guy got a raise because he hyped up so many episodes of The Walking Dead from, like, the first few seasons when I watched it that I was actually thoroughly excited for the next episode. And then when we get to the next episode, it was just more boring stuff of them walking around. Right, like, nothing. he understood pacing mm-hmm. more than, than the actual film, like, showrunner later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the person putting together the previously on understood, like, the plot points and what's needed, what needed to be established going forward more than the actual script writers. Right. So, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, so, there's my kudos. My kudos to the previously on guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start the episode. The episode starts off with Danny, and she's dishe- disheveled and... We, this is one of my my, my main my main criticism of Game of Thrones for the, for all the seasons is that you don't know how much time has passed because it feels like it's been like a couple of weeks since you know since Missandei had been beheaded in front of Danny. It, feel, it feels like a right. couple of weeks. Um, but she's all disheveled and stuff, and she's seeing daggers and shadows and everywhere. And Varys turns out to be a a traitor, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Not really. He's kind of actually really being loyal to the Targaryen dynasty. Just not to her. Right, right. I mean, he tries to poison Danny, and um, but he's. I mean, his whole thing is not. His whole thing is not loyalty to the Targaryens. He just wants the best ruler, which doesn't really make sense because why would he have supported? Why would he support Viserys over Renly? You know, like if we're really going for like best ruler, like wouldn't you be like, oh no, Renly? And why is he supporting Viserys at the same time that Renly is out there? But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, he tried to poison Danny. It's been a minute since I've actually seen that episode. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, he's the little girl comes in and she's like, "Oh, she won't eat," and he's mm. like, "Oh, we'll try again at dinner." And it's because he's trying to poison Danny. Huh? Is that actually course, confirmed, tra- or is that like we're supposed to believe that? Ah, uh, I mean, I think we're supposed to believe it. I think it might have been confirmed later with somebody asking. Um, the actor mm-hmm. uh, uh, Cornell, what's his name? You're better with the uh, with the actor names. Uh, Conlon uh, Hill, I think was his name. Conlon Hill, yes. Conlon. <laughs> um, I think someone did ask him at a at a at a uh, fan event, and he said, "Yeah, that's that's what was going on." What kind of annoys um, me about the whole Vera situation is that we still don't know why he firmly supported the Targaryens. We don't know. We really don't. And no, I mean you have to you have to assume that somehow he saw something in Viserys that no one else saw. <laughs> Not to mention there was also um, in in the uh, in the histories and lore section of I, I I think it was either season two or season three, 
Um, Varys talks about how when the Lannisters sacked King's Landing during the Mad Mad King's rule, and even Varys says in, in the histories and lore that he begged the Mad King not to open the doors, the gates to Tywin Lannister. So Varys was very loyal to the Targaryens, except we don't really know why. Like even Viserys, right. like just like we don't even know like why. Mm. Right, and that's the other thing is he's he's loyal to Ares and. Uh, on top of that, who's even worse than Viserys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why would he be loyal to Ares? Um, Ares was horrible. But, but maybe you could argue, okay, after his experience with Ares, he did some hard thinking after he, you know, went into Robert's cabinet and was like, Robert's small council. And, you know, he did some thinking over the years and then decided that he wanted to put a good ruler on the throne. Um, <laughs> somehow that was Viserys, <laughs> but you and, know, and you mentioned Renly, but because doesn't Renly have Targaryen blood on his grandmother's side? He does. He does have a little bit. Yeah. So by by that, uh, I mean if you're really going with Targaryen lineage, I guess Renly. But I, but maybe he really wants the you know people with the uh, white blonde hair. I guess this is this <laughs> is why in the book this is why in the book a lot of people think that Varys is a Blackfire supporter because he shaves um, his head. Well, one, because he shaves his head just like Egg does mm -hmm. um, in Duncan Egg to hide his silver hair. But also the fact that he, his loyalties are very specific. Like, okay, he's into Ares, but he's not into Stannis or Renly. Mm -hmm. Well, why not? You know? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, who, who is he into? Is he, is he really into Viserys and Danny? Because those are some odd choices. Um, so, what, you know, what is he up? And then you find out, no, he's actually into Aegon the whole, the whole time. Um, but, you know, why Aegon specifically, you know, cause he was, cause they were raising him, you know, and he's going to be a great leader. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe they're taking that final speech from A Dance with Dragons and they didn't know what to do with it. And mm -hmm. they said, okay, you know, he's, he really does want a, a really great ruler on the throne. Um, so we just have to cram that into the, into the Danny character because you know, in the book, Varys is not a Danny supporter. He's an Aegon supporter. So, right, right. Um, and like I said, that's one of my issues. Like, we never got a concrete reason before his death why he was firmly a Targaryen supporter. We can only speculate. Same with Kyburn. Like, we don't know. This is the episode where visually amazing, but a lot of mm. it just... Like, if when you really dive deep into it, it's, there's a lot of people who go down, and there's almost, like, no real conclusion to their story. Like, Kyburn. What did he yeah. do to the mountain? What the hell is the mountain? Because at one point, right. I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but at one point, uh, the hound like stabs him, like in the face, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the knife through the skull, and comes out the other side, and he like just takes it like, I, and and we don't even know what happened to the mountain. What the hell is he? Who is Kyber really? <laughs> is, is Who he, is Kyber? Yeah, no one knows. Was he a rogue <laughs> agent of uh, Duran Martel? Was he somehow aligned with you know? The people of a shy or the right pre like who is he really and that in, just... the, in the show he just he just honestly really did appreciate Cersei for 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 helping him rise up and that he thought he was going to die in poverty and he he like I mean that that's the weird thing is that like I you, can believe that I can buy that well in the book in the book you you have this sense that that Kyburn isn't um, doesn't have Cersei's best interest at heart. You know, like mm. you, you feel like he's, he has another scheming plan because um, he's doing things that are just nuts and, you know, can't possibly work out for Cersei in the long run. 
And yet, you know, in the show, no, he's 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 absolutely loyal to Cersei. He thanks her for for taking him out of poverty and and making him hand. And you know, his 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 love is is true, which is an odd an odd thing to find out in the end. You know, you know, we we expected something something a little more complicated. Yeah, but like I said, I can, I can buy that he's grateful to, to Cersei, but I still want to know what the hell he did to the mountain. I want to know more about these, this character. This is when I, this is why I like the books, like every, why everybody should like the books. There's always like, you know, nuances to these characters and, you know, yeah. it's not that I want there's, to... There's a, there's a twist and then there's yeah. another twist and then there's another twist. And yeah. here it's almost as though, once again, it was rushed and they just couldn't go through, give him like the three minutes of backstory. Like you could have, you could have had his backstory yeah. given... And that one scene that was completely pointless in hindsight of him talking to Braun in episode one, I want to oh, say. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And like Braun could have right. gone like, what about you, Kyburn? What's, what's, I'm awful Braun impression, what's your game? And then <laughs> Kyburn can go, well, you see, when I was younger, like they could have done like a scene like yeah. that and we didn't get that. And as for terrible deaths, Euron Greyjoy. Why the fuck does Euron Greyjoy kill, care about killing Jaime Lannister? Like I could understand Euron killing Jaime Lannister in season one. Back when he had, you know, both hands, but Jamie Lannister, one hand, the golden hand. Yeah, I mean, I I think with all of these, and this is even bringing this back to Varys, is that they're tr- they're going for subverting expectations, and so they're having different characters unexpectedly end other characters' lives, you know, and so. The Night King was Jon's story, and it's ended by Arya, mm. and and. Um, the Hound ends up ending Arya's story, and um, you know John ends up ending Danny's story. You know, and you don't you don't expect these these twists. Yeah, Jamie ends up ending Euron's story. Um, the Night King ends up ending Theon's story. Like all of these plot lines that that were not going there. That like the Night King has absolutely nothing to do with Theon's arc in any way whatsoever, and yet he, you know his his his, he puts an end to him. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's what they were going for. Like, we're going to mix it up and, and have everybody's stories, like, just, you know, interact and, and, and flip. But it, it didn't work out. I don't think people, um, you know, if, if you want something to be ironic, it has to actually be fitting in a different way. It can't just be different. You know? So, um. But yeah, so so is this how you expected Varys to go out, like in a whimper? Um, he didn't really go like, out in a whimper. I mean, he mm, I, <laughs> you could tell the actor was super pissed, kind of like the Barristan Selmy actor. Like, like you can tell, like he was just like yeah. not having it at all. Even even at the even at the reading, the table reading, yeah. where Amelia Clark looks over at him, she's like, ooh, and he's like, uh, and he kind of throws the paper down a little bit, where he's like, eh. and. No, I didn't expect Varys to go down this way. I expected Varys to be there in the end, but I guess I mean, I mean, it was it, in a sense it reminded me a lot of Littlefinger in the sec, in the sense that it's this huge, powerful character, like having just such a a wimpy uh, ending. It's the same, you know. What's funny is Stannis went down kind of in a whimper. Littlefinger went down in a whimper. A lot of these characters go down in a whimper. You think you think Stannis went down in a whimper? I think Stannis went down like a fucking boss. I mean, one of the last scenes we see of Stannis. Is where he takes out his sword and you know he takes on the incoming like house bolts and horses, 
and mm. Rianne ultimately finishes him off, but I wouldn't say it was a whimper. Littlefinger, that was a whimper. That was a travesty, actually. One of the worst deaths <laughs> in the show's history. I'm going to make a video of, like, top five worst deaths in the show's history. That is easily either number one or two. Easily. So, so I will say that with the Vari stuff and the whole John being um, king, because this is actually the last we, we hear about John um, being the true, true heir is actually at the beginning of episode five. It, it, it stops being an issue after, after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Varys, Varys is the last person to ever bring it up. Um, the whole R plus L equals J thing, which I think the fandom built it up more than it was. And then that build up in the fandom, like translated over to the showrunners. Yes. And then they tried to build it up into something and it never was anything, you know, like, and, you know, and through a lot of the over analysis of R plus L equals J over the years, a lot of people did point out um, rightly that R plus L equals J doesn't matter. Like the entire theme of the story is succession is messy. People follow people for whatever reason. Um, and it, it's such a succession is such a tired, tired topic by the time we get to the end of things. Um, I remember cracking a feast for crows and my first read where, where they start arguing that Marcella is the true heir. I remember thinking, Oh God, like, isn't this, isn't this just such a tired issue? Like, ugh, do we really want to go into more war over who is the rightful ruler? Oh God. And that's kind of what it felt like with, with this whole, like John is the true heir kind of thing. Like, aren't we past this? Like, aren't we done with fighting? Aren't we done with succession? Like the show hasn't cared about succession for seasons. In fact, succession is out the window the minute Renly Baratheon rebels, right? Like, like in, in a clash of Kings, like succession is out the window and you can we kind of say, oh, it's all about who has the power and who is liked, you know? Mm-hmm. And popularity Danny's contest in a sense. Yeah, I mean, and in a sense, like if you're going with, I think had they pushed, I mean, and they did do it a little bit because John has the popularity and, and Danny has the power, you know? Renly had both popularity and power, but it didn't, it didn't work out for him. But, um, but yeah, you know, power resides where people think it resides and all that, um, and succession doesn't matter. But, you know, power and what people think does. And, and so by the time everybody's, you know, he's, he's writing that final letter, that like, oh, Jon Snow is the true heir and da-da-da-da. It's like no one cares. Our, our, our plus L equals J was a big letdown. Um, I can't, you know, people debated this issue for decades, and it, it, it was nothing. We've had, vid- <laughs> we've had videos on the R, R plus L equals J topic, and I believe, I think you're the only Game of Thrones YouTuber on the platform right now who has never made a video on R plus L equals J. I don't think you have. Have you? I might be mistaken. Well, I mean, I did a Tower Tower Joy Joy, which is which is about the issue. Um, about it, but have you done like a full-blown theory video on R plus L equals J? I don't think so. No, I mean, no. I just kind of said that like, R plus L equals J, there's a lot of plot, like there's a lot of holes in it in the book. And so my video was like, here's an alternative, R plus L equals D, which, you know, because of all the holes, you could, you could argue that R plus L equals D is just as legitimate. Um, but like, if I have never done a video on like the true implications of R plus L equals J. And, and I do think that the show hints at what's going to happen in the book that 
like I think when a lot of fans were like R plus L equals J, everybody's gonna like realize that John's the true king, and then Aragon is gonna like sit on the throne and rule. Um, it, that didn't make sense because they were all looking for the Lord of the Rings ending, and and a lot of people were like, every single person in Westeros is suddenly gonna be like, yeah, John is the king, yay! No, like that's never gonna happen. No, like no ruler is ever. No, at no point is everyone going to sit around and go, oh, yeah, they're the true ruler, end of war. Like, not going to happen. Um, you know, so I think this touches on that, that R plus L equals J isn't a uniting thing. It's another dividing thing. And, um, and that's what the sh I think the show actually has what's going to be in the book, that R plus L equals J is not a great thing. It's it's a liability for the story. It's a liability for the kingdom. Pretty much. Not and I, I wish it's not something beneficial. Well, I wish the show touched on exactly what you're saying right now that it doesn't matter at all. But what do we get? Is John saying, "I don't want it. I don't." That's all we get him saying. But there's never really like, even though Varys was was on that that John is the rightful king train. Tyrion, you could you could kind of sense that he wasn't really mm. like he understood it, yeah. but he knew the implications of it. Yeah. I mean, this whole idea that people would follow John, like, no, no, no one cares at this point. Especially they're not going to fight somebody with a dragon. I mean, come on. It's just so, it was just so, such a long shot, hopeless thing that Varys was trying. Um, it was just kind of sad. I mean, maybe if he had succeeded in assassinating Danny, but that was about it. That was probably his, most of his plan. Uh, once that would happen, maybe her allies would turn against her and for the true king, maybe. Eh. Yeah, but it sounds like sounds like Grey Worm. I mean, Grey Worm should just kill everybody at all points. Right. <laughs> so many points in the story, but Grey Worm would have just killed everybody. Like, <laughs> like how dare you? But R plus L equals J is ultimately this one. To me, it's it's always going to be that one theory that Comic Book Row nineteen made popular, and everybody just had like mm. a light bulb go off in their head, and they're like, oh. That's something I can get behind. That's why when people challenge R plus L equals J like yourself or Order of the Green Hand, people don't like it because this is the easy yeah. spoon-fed theory that people can get behind and it's easy to understand. It's, it's something people understand, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like R plus L equals J is the, you know, it's the hidden prince. It's, it's our, you know, our regular Joe Schmo proper moral white male like heterosexual like, like you know, protagonist guy like Luke Skywalker, Neo, Harry Potter, like... Jesus. Sarah Connor. <laughs> well, John Connor. <laughs> uh, but no. Oh, but, so, oh, by the way, yeah. with this Varys thing, I have to say, like, John arrives on an island from one ship. And I was like, what? what, what? Didn't they just have their fleet destroyed by Euron? Why isn't Euron, like, like, just surrounding Dragonstone and killing every ship that goes in and out? Oh God, it was really bad. Motherfucker, that actually, yeah. Why didn't he do that? What the fuck? I, I had never thought of that actually. Why didn't he do that? Like John, John just sails, just sails right in. Why wasn't there a fucking blockade? What the fuck? Why? I also think the Varys's Varys's thing is really funny in the sense that, um, so Danny doesn't actually talk to John about Varys's betrayal until after Varys is executed. Mm. So that means Varys is executed purely upon Tyrion's word. Like, she, never, she doesn't interview anybody else. Like, oh, Tyrion said that you're a traitor, so we're going to burn you alive. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't ask John, like, hey, is this true? Until after. Like, after Varys is dead, then she talks to John about it. 
See, those are not nice signs of madness that you could kind of like <laughs> link it to her, link link to her her father. But at the same time, it could also be shitty writing. You know, you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. The afterwards stuff is. I mean, that means John kept it silent, which means that like Danny let John off for for like not reporting Varys's like treason. Ah, uh, but yeah. After that, it's also funny because that's when you have the um, the Grey Worm uh, coming in, and I have to say that like this is things I like, like on the rewatch. I was like, Grey Worm has the most compelling story in in like season eight. I've decided that really? Grey Worm. Go ahead. I, I wanna yes, hear this. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, we'll get into more of it, but it's just like his his like losing Missandei. Like, his emotional connection to Missande is well-established. Like, Danny's not as much. Um, and so when she dies and, like, you, you, you feel the tension just inside Grey Worm. And later on, um, and this is at the end of the episode, um, I, I, there's this one scene that... Uh, uh, I just felt was the most brilliant scene of the entire episode. Evolved of episode five. Um, Danny, like, Grey Worm is just uptight and he's just ready to freaking explode. And then way back at the, uh, he's, he's ready to explode through the, throughout the entire episode and then Danny starts burning the city. And it's only a split second, but, you sh- but it shows, like, Grey Worm just kind of sighs. He goes, and he lets out his air and you can see his his spear slowly lowering. And then they cut away to a different shot. And I was like, oh man. Like for him, Danny destroying the city and him like having the outlet to like release his rage is like this moment of release for him. And like, yeah, you you, you get it with him like angrily attacking, but there's this moment, like this this very moment, and it's only like a second where he sighs, he goes, and you can see just a little, his spear begin to, to lower. And I was like, oh, that scene is really brilliant. So like that one thing. <laughs> and this is what I was talking about. Like, you know, everybody loves saying like season eight was trash. It wasn't good with the except like the writing was trash, but everything else, the acting, as you're just saying right here, because that's pure acting chops right there. Yeah. And even that, that cinematography of that oh, shot. Oh, God, yeah. <sighs> everything, everything about season eight was good with the exception of the writing and dialogue. Everything else was yeah. great. The music was great. And this I wanted to say about this uh, this episode. It looked absolutely gorgeous and breathtaking. It's just then you have to peel apart the stuff that really makes it stupid. For example, one of the things I mentioned before is how <laughs> I remember in, epi- in season season six, episode nine, where Danny's mm. dragons come back and they're all fighting and you know shooting flame on the the slaver ships. It takes like three dragons to blow up like one ship. But fucking Drogon comes in and spits fire and it fucking explodes. Yeah. No, you can't logically analyze anything in the plot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing is the next scene is like 
Danny planning her attack and Tyrion pleading, and then he spontaneously has the idea for the bells. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, if you hear the bells. But but even that doesn't make sense. Season two, episode nine, the Blackwater, they ring the right. bells, and and um, Davos's son, which by the way, for those of you who've forgotten, Tyrion killed him. Tyrion killed Davos's <laughs> son. Preston loves reminding everybody. Uh, Davos's son, Mathos, he goes, they're welcoming the new king, and Davos comes from behind him. I've never known bells to mean surrender. You right. established even, that. <laughs> you even self-contained in the episode, they established that the bells are like Tyrion pleads. Like at the idea, at the time, you're like, oh, this is a spontaneous idea that he's just bullshitting off. The, you know that he's just like, oh, the bells is the signal for surrender. Danny doesn't know. Okay, mm-hmm. and then later, when he sneaks in to talk to Jamie, and he says, he says, have them ring the bells. That'll be our signal for surrender. He actually, he actually like, like establishes that it's a like then and there, and he tells Jamie, and then I think there's a missing scene, because Jamie, they have all of these 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 scenes of Jamie looking up at the bell tower and then walking towards it, and then he's never at the bell tower. Yeah, I know so what I you're do, talking about. Yeah, so I do wonder if like. They just missed a scene of Jamie being up at the bell tower saying, like, you know, ring the bells as a signal for surrender. Like, that's what they needed. But they never had it. And, and of course, adding all of, like, the random people in the city yelling, ring the bells, like, doesn't make any sense. I think, I think they – we'll probably find out when the, when the season 8 Blu-ray comes out. I think what probably happened was it wouldn't have made sense for Jamie to ring the bells and then somehow mm. escape Danny's wrath in time to reach Cersei. Yeah, that's probably what happened. But uh, but it would have been it would have been everything for him to ring the bells. I mean, that would have been a great scene. Mm. But how you would know. he reach uh, Cersei in time not to get fucked up by Dragonfire? Yeah, I mean, it it also doesn't make sense that Jamie arrives at Cersei like at the same time as Arya after he doesn't make it into the city. But that, I mean, there's so many things that are just off. But that just, it frustrated me so much because it's just this on-the-spot idea. Like, I mean, you're like, oh, Tyrion's clever. He, he, he's just bullshitting, and he's going to try to save the city. And, yeah, no, just... And what kind of annoys me is, and this kind of bugs me, but at the same time, I'm kind of grateful for it, kind of. The Golden Company, having those actors on board was completely pointless. Like, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they had less than three they minutes of screen really. time. Hot Pie had more screen time than the fucking Golden Company. Yeah. And, but I will appreciate, once again, this is why I can't say season eight was complete trash. Once again, writing was terrible, dialogue was terrible, everything else, costume, Golden Company, they look unique. They didn't look like generic mercenary night people, knights. And I have to, yeah, and, and I have to say, even like without any dialogue, like Harry Strickland's like face brought so much to the character, the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. Like, you're just like, oh man, look at him panic, you know? Like, it made no sense that, that, yeah, that this was, again, like, other people's plots finishing other people's plots. Like, it made no sense that, like, Grey Worm would be the one killing him. Like, why? Do they have a be- Do they secretly have a beef? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have one of, you know, those, like, like Star Wars Expanded Universe, yeah. uh, like, books and how, like, everybody <laughs> has some sort of secret, like, past story. Everybody like... in the cantina kind of, you know, hates each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... Harry Strickland and Grey Worm actually know each other. (laughs) (laughs) 
that, that, that's, that was always a thing in Star Wars with Boba Fett and Darth Vader. No disintegrations. As you wish. Oh my god, they must have some kind of rivalry. I must write about how one time they fought on Mustafar with lightsabers, which I believe is and an actual thing. there was a disintegration. Thing. Yeah, like, I, I think that was an actual fucking thing in Legends, which was kind of re- re- really dumb, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the thing about uh, that's Star Wars. Every stray line must be a book. Yes. You know? Oh, you look, you look like you could pull the ears off a guntar or whatever. <laughs> like, we've got to, we've got to have an entire backstory to that. <laughs> we got to have it. <laughs> I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. We, gotta... we need an entire backstory, <laughs> backstory to Tashi time. Station. <laughs> we got to have an entire story of how the Millennium Falcon can make the castle run and last it. <laughs> and we did. And we did. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. No, uh, like I said, the episode itself is probably one of the better episodes of season eight, and that's saying something. But at the same time, after a while, the episode just is kind of tedious for me. I've said this before when yeah. we did the thing, and I'll say it here. After a while, Danny just blowing shit up gets a little boring, gets a little tedious. Oh, yeah. And watching watching the family, like like the, the mother and child who eventually just die mm. and watching Arya run around for no reason. Like there's a lot of rewatching it. I kept thinking like, wow, this, this episode's really long and it should have ended here. Right. And then it should have ended here. Mm-hmm. And then it should have ended here. And then it just kept going. It almost felt a little fillery. Like they were just trying to fill time. Yeah. Like that one time Arya like was just watching the dead guy. Like it, it felt a little, yeah. little fillery to me. And you know, like I get it. And, that, and that other time that Arya was sweeping the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I re- most of Arya's story is a lot of like now looking back at it like have the show being over mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of dead time mm-hmm. like her riding on horses with the hound her riding on horses alone her washing bodies her sweeping floors like it's a lot of freaking time kill yeah and this is this is this was more of it like there's no reason for Arya to be in the city at all well, she I had mean, to kill Cersei, but then she changed her mind. Her entire her, mind. her entire mission for like six seasons was to kill these people, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a dragon flying around and the Hound giving her some words, you know, to back down. Really, just that's all it took, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's, he could have done that on like their weeks on the road. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is, we have no idea what happened on those several weeks that they they spent riding from Winterfell to. And you know what? Looking back at it now, you really didn't need Arya there. Because after she kills the Night King, which I still hate, um, she's useless. She does nothing. In fact, in in all of Season 8, she barely uses any of her facemen abilities, with the exception of the training. Um, She does nothing. Nothing else. She's just there because, I guess, um, what's it called? A Q rating? A T rating? I think it's Q rating. Uh, Arya Stark has a good uh, rating with the audience, and I guess the audience wants to see her. Yeah, do stuff. That, that, that is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no reason for her to be there, and I doubt George has her final chapters uh, figured out. Uh, and this, this, this season eight kind of showed, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <sighs> some of the cool stuff uh, this episode was Clegane Bowl. Clegane Bowl was actually did live up to the hype. It really did. I actually like it. Liked it. it. And well, it was put in for the hype. It was. It was a. Um, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was oh, a beautiful God, yeah. scene. The, I would say that the thing they screwed up with it is that they they decided to intersplice it with Arya running around the city, um, dodging falling bricks. Mm-hmm. 
and and they were paralleling Arya to the Hound, where like whenever he got hit and was knocked down, Arya got hit and got knocked down. Mm-hmm. But none none of that makes any sense. Like the whole point of her leaving is that she's breaking with being a little hound. Um, she shouldn't be paralleled with him anymore. But and then what is she doing? Like how is like falling bricks and stuff? Like is that really supposed to like have any connection to to the mountain? Uh, no, it's just so had they kept it just on the hound and the mountain, I think it would have been better. I, I think the cutaways were, were, was mis- were a mistake. And, but, and back to things that weren't really like, like set in stone or you never really go into. You made a good point. Once again, uh, you, you, you always point out things that I never notice. Why does the hound want to kill the mountain? Like, what's it's I don't. Because he burned his face a long time ago. I mean, I guess, right. but I guess, but you know, like the, the hound is what a fifty-year-old man. Yeah. Like, like no time in the last forty years has he gone after him. Like, why now? <laughs> I wanted my whole life for revenge. Really, you never got around to it. Forty years. You were at the same tourney, like a bunch. <laughs> you made a really good point when you said, like, that's that's the scene they should have had where. The Hound tells Sansa the reason for his like revenge and why he's going to King's Landing and yeah. all that stuff, the sister thing and so on and so forth. So they really should have included yeah. that. There's a lot of things they should have included. For for example, uh, Euron. Euron's motivation again once again, mm-hmm. like I don't like he wants a queen and I kinda forgot about Euron's motivation. I, he's just there causing trouble. What was Euron's yeah. motivation again? He wants to fuck Cersei, but then he wants to kill Jamie Lannister all of a sudden. He wants to be king, and he wants to fuck Cersei Lannister. Like, I think he genuinely thinks Cersei's hot and thinks there's, like, um, and thinks there's something really awesome to fucking the queen. And he seems to, he seems to really like the fact that he's going to produce a prince. He definitely, like, wants to be king. But we never really established that that you know he was upset or insecure about not being these things mm-hmm. like you know he he wins the king's moot and he becomes king he's legitimately a king right he, do we have any scenes where he's like insecure about not being king enough like mm-hmm. king of the iron isles isn't like good enough you know mm-hmm. none really i mean jamie says at the end like you're no king and then he's like i am a king and then that, that's about it um his motivation was to kill his his to kill uh, Yara and Theon and like mess with them, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But but it's like such a great and 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 like really like nuanced character in the books. A little evil too, and they just kind yeah. of make him like kind of a villain of the week type of character. It's just eh. yeah. I mean that's the thing is is. Um, and I, I kind of feel this, and we keep bringing this back to Star Wars, I kind of feel this about uh, the new Star Wars movies, is that the Empire, or the, the First Order, doesn't seem competent. Like, they, they seem, like, buffoonish. Like, when, when you see the Empire in the original Star Wars, they're so, they're so efficient, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, oh, this is a real, this is an adversary that, that's going to be tough to go against. But then they're just so buffoonish, all over the place, angry, um, in in the in the you know Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. That I'm just like, how are how is this considered, you know, a legitimate adversary? Right. And and so it's kind of the same. Like I, I wouldn't say the Euron goes that far, but but like because when you see Euron 
like battle and, and destroy Danny's fleet. You're like, whoa, he is, he's got something to him. But later, he's just he's so buffoonish that you're just like, huh? How is he? A, how is he a worthy adversary? How is he someone where I'm like, oh, is is, is the is the hero gonna win? Like at, at all points where like you know when Jamie goes in to fight Euron, I'm like, yep, Jamie's gonna win. You know, like I never thought that he wasn't. What, what's kind of annoying is that it's it almost seems like Game of Thrones. <clears throat> excuse me. It almost seems like Game of Thrones can't really make a villain who's either Ramsay or the Night King because the Night King is yeah. he's stoic, he's silent, he's menacing, he's threatening. He said he has, he doesn't need to say any words for that. And then you have Ramsay, who's kind of like the Joker. Because Game of Thrones, yeah. if you think about it, doesn't really have a major villain. Cersei is just kind of Cersei. She, I wouldn't categorize her as a villain. Um, Tywin, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really categorize him as a villain. Roose Bolton, once again, an opportunist, not really a villain. Ramsay, okay, fine, but he's kind of like the Joker. The Night King, yes, yeah. definitely a villain, but once again, the Night King is like, you know, kind of like a Darth Vader-esque. He doesn't need to be flamboyant or nothing. But it's almost like Game of Thrones can't have anything in between or anything else. For example, if you go, one of the best villains this year was Thanos. Thanos in in the first event in the uh, first Infinity War movie, there was so much to him than just like this guy who's just on like there's just so much there, and they just couldn't do anything with Euron. Euron had to be the Diet Coke version of Ramsay, <clears throat> essentially. They say they say that the best villains are the ones that you can relate to, right? The ones where you're like where you're almost ready to be on their side, except for like one small problem mm -hmm. you know like that's the whole thing but like this is why Viserys was a great villain um and and purely on the on the acting chops of Harry Lloyd where you you look at him and you're just like ah I can understand where you're coming from like your birthright was taken away you've been begging your whole life no one is giving you any respect like everyone is laughing at you all the time you feel so bad but, you know, you're like, not quite, because mm -hmm. he's, he's, you know, he, he's, he's, he's horrible. He, yeah, he's an asshole, and he, you know, he's, he's dreadful. But, you, you know, you're almost with him. Um, you know, he's a, he's a better villain than, than, you know, so many more people, even though Viserys isn't really that evil. I mean, he's, he's evil in that he, he beats his, his sister, but that's about it. <laughs> you know? So, Euron sucked. Uh, what else? Um, the episode, once again was filled with a lot of cool stuff. It's one of the better episodes of season eight, and that's not saying much, but you know, yeah. a lot of the I mean, fight scenes cool. Walking, watching it again, like I, 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 the actor that played Harry Strickland did a great job with what he had. Lena Headey has hardly any lines, and she is able to act her ass Knocks off. Knocks it out of the park, of course. Knocks it out of the park with her, just her eyes. I mean, the fact that just with her eyes that she could convey the entire roller coaster of Cersei's mind on how she like is ex you know thinking she's gonna win realizing that holy shit the, the, the city is gonna burn uh, I'm then then being defiant and then and then collapsing and and, and weeping and not knowing what to do I, with hardly any lines she's able to convey all of that and you know so she should have had she didn't get the Emmy but she should have had the Emmy right you know. There's also a bunch of missed opportunities here, especially with those two. First and foremost, I don't think I already I have an entire video on this. I don't. Everybody was saying Jamie's character was ruined by saying he doesn't care about the innocents. I don't think it was. It mm. was that was kind of retarded. I'm sorry, but it was. But at the same time, I don't think the character was ruined. 
Uh, however, they did miss a, a huge opportunity here to have the Valencar prophecy, th- despite it never being on the show, coming true yeah. as a kind of a nod to book fans. Um, where as the the rocks are coming down, he's kind of like I guess smothering her against. He's like you know trying to save her from. I would rather be choked than uh, <laughs> crushed by boulders. Right, right, absolutely. Or you know that it's the underneath his hand or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I mean they could have they could have redeemed again. Jamie, he could have he could have started out by saying, "Oh, I didn't care for them," and then again, like being really focused on getting to the bell tower, right, and like ringing the bells mm-hmm. and saving everybody again. Like that could have been. Oh, that would have been a, thing. that would have been a great scene where he's like fr- trying to run to, towards Cersei, and then he like just sees all the people around him, and he just looks at the bell tower, looks back at the red keep, and then just no, he just runs to the bell tower and he rings right. the bell. Right, and then for that reason, they're too late. Like had he gone earlier. Had he gone earlier for Cersei, they would have gotten to the boat. But because he had to take the extra time mm, to go to the bell tower, yeah. he and he and Cersei end up dying. Right. Like that's you know, you know could have done that. Could have done that. <laughs> the John saving the rape victim. So that was um, so so. What would you call that? What the soldier was doing with like war war um, yeah, hypnosis, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like you know, when people get in this mob mentality, right. they go crazy. They start doing all this stuff. But what I hated about it is, is that in the middle of all this this suffering and and and, and death, um, they this, they felt the necessity to to bash into your head that John's a good person. Yes, everybody else is getting murdered, but John's still a good person. Like, let's take away all of John's complicity, like, because John is complicit in this. You know, he was warned, he was told many times before this that people could die because of Danny. You know, and and Varys, you know, uh, you know, said that he's a better ruler and all this. And his choice to be with his queen, like, makes him complicit in her actions. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that he that that he has to save someone in the middle of the of the scene. Erases that it it, it hit, hits you over the head that John's a good person, he's a saint. When no, like John is complicit, and he should feel guilty about being complicit in in the event, and and that that scene ruins it. Had they 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 needed to cut that scene, um, he needs to be part of the slaughter and and needs to feel guilty about that, rather than oh he's he's, he's a nice guy. I really. So you think it's so you think it's like a cop out on the showrunners to try to make the audience. Feel. I think I think it's yes. I think it's a cop out, and I think it takes away from any feelings of guilt. Mm. Like had he been racked with guilt afterwards, you know, for his role in it, it all, would have been better to, to tie yeah. to tie this in into that. Like I said, I think Euron killing um, um, uh, Rhaegal was incredibly like. I, I feel like Rhaegal should have been killed during this battle. Where the bells are rung, Danny actually stops. She doesn't want to stop, but she stops. You can see that in her face. And out of nowhere, a secret scorpion opens up from like a like a like a like a roof or something and hits in, in, in the in the in the city and hits Rhaegal, kills him, and Danny snaps. It would have made more sense for her going crazy. Not to mention, as she snaps and Drogon is destroying everything, in the midst of Drogon breathing fire all over the people, he also catches some of the Stark soldiers as well, and John sees this. Which would have made him feel even more guilty, and would have also given him more motivation to just want to kill her because 
she's out of her mind. Like when she goes uh, on this dragon rage mentality, nothing stops her, not even her own allies. Where had they done that, you know, Drogon could have killed uh, Dothraki, Unsullied, and Stark and Aaron forces that were there and almost killed him. That's what they should have added there to complete that whole thing. Once again, they didn't do it. By the way, some people, I was actually watching this. I was actually watching the, it got recommended to me. Uh, the clip of John being declared King of the North in season six. And if you go to the comment section, a lot of people were saying, hmm. this is John's true story. John's story ends here. He went from the Bastard of Winterfell to the King of Winterfell, like over time. And that's yeah. essentially his arc right there. Would you agree with that? That had Game of Thrones ended in season six with John, well, John's story at least, it would have been the perfect story. I mean, it would have been traditional. Um, I mean, again, there, there's a bit of a jump because he, he loses that battle, you know, and, and Sansa saving everybody. Mm. So it, it, it's a little off. But, um, you know, I guess, it, I mean, it would have been it would have been a little better. It would have been a little bit. In, it would have been more satisfying than what we got. Um, so but I wouldn't say it was would be perfect in any in any respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, it's also there's also like the big thing of. I mean, one could say that when he was elected to be Lord Commander, that that's the end of his story. <laughs> you know, I, think okay. so. <laughs> I mean that he rises up. I I mean I think it's more fitting that he's the king of the Wildlings at the end um, than anything else. Is he the king of the Wildlings? Else is is dis- that established? Well, that's the thing: is they needed to establish that <laughs> they needed to make him king of the wild king of the Wildlings, um, and that would have been a more fitting end for him. Because the thing is, he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit with people. He's not part of the Seven Kingdoms. He, he's never fit. Mm-hmm. He's always been the, the White Wolf. And, um, you know, different from the rest of the pack. And so, you know, he, his place... His place I accept that his place is north of the Wall with the Wildlings. Um, hmm. that, he had fe- that he had fell in love with Wildling culture when he fell in love with Egret. But uh, then we have all this distraction. We have all this distraction of... of you know his battles in the north and and his stuff with Danny that like kind of like shift the John story. Well, let let's but. go into since we're on on the John story and you know how he ends up at the end. Let's go into episode six, the final episode, and quite frankly, I believe the worst episode in the show's history. Oh, by by the way, I I have my notes here before we get into it. Uh, on my notes, fuck the white horse. I wrote <laughs> on my notes. <laughs> What's wrong with the white horse, despite it not even making much sense? Oh, my God. Fuck the... Uh, yeah, anyway, fuck the white mm-hmm. horse. <laughs> okay, so in, on to episode six. Episode six. We open up, you know, the ash is coming down, and, you know, everybody's just... Clever. Definitely, like, I definitely thought the ash was clever mm-hmm. in that you're expecting snow, and then it's ash. Right. And then they make it snow again, but nonetheless, I thought that was clever, that in all visions you're expecting... The last episode of Game of Thrones to be snowy. You have the visions of it being snowy, mm-hmm. and you, you know winter is coming, and it's really ash. Like I think that's I think that's very clever. I like. That. I wasn't a fan of um, I wasn't a fan of when she gets off the dragon. The dragon flies off. It looks like she has wings for a minute there, like demonic wings. Wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. I thought it was kind of lame. There, there, so there's one other thing that I kind of that, that on on this rewatch that I thought was quite clever. Is that as Tyrion is walking into the city, there's there's a burned man who's just kind of like stumbling and dazed out. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. that? 
Um, and at first I was like, that's really random. But then I was like, oh, I get it. He's like a zombie. Like he's, he's been, he's become a white, like, and that kind of brings it like full circle. Um, that, you know, we've, they've been, they were fighting all of these whites. They were fighting the dead and all this. And then like, this is a different type of white, a fire mm. white. And that he comes and that even in the last episode, after the, the destruction of the, of the Night King and everything, there's still the zombie. And I, I do, I did like that little thing. But I guarantee you're probably the only person who caught that. I guarantee you're probably <laughs> the only person who caught that. Um, or maybe I'm inserting it. But yeah. I, I was just, I thought it was, you know, like watching the next time I was like, oh, he's a zombie. Ah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so no, we get Tyrion walking in and I, I, I cannot watch this, this part without laughing because of what you said. Where she's speaking to her her followers in uh, in that language, and there's everybody around going, "What the fuck is she saying? Like that we don't speak that language." <laughs> Do the Dothraki speak it? Do they understand it? They speak Dothraki, but then she's making the speech anyways. Everybody's like, ah, nah, 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 nah. like everybody's just you know, just, yeah, of course, whatever. Right, and, and and Tyrion and John are all like, "Oh man, what an evil speech!" <laughs> you don't understand Dothraki. <laughs> what the? I also found that like. Um, rewatching the beginning, I was like, everyone's in the wrong place. Like, like they go inside the walls, and immediately they're next to like the mother and child that died with the with the burned wooden horse mm-hmm. that Arya was trying to save. I was like, how did they get all the way there? And then Tyrion somehow gets beyond Grey Worm and the execution, but then and is, and gets into the castle and doesn't run into all the things that John sees. Mm-hmm. But then. John runs into Grey Worm, but then he walks in and Grey Worm's inside again. Every, everything's just all over the place. Like, Davos just disappears randomly. Arya just appears for no reason. Oh, Everyone's just all over the place. Yeah, I, I think the Dragon Wings was... I, there was a lot of overdone cinematography in the way last episode. Way too many. It's because it's the last episode, let's go the fu- all the fuck out. It's, it's just way too yeah. many dumb things. And like, the Arya all of a sudden appearing and that stupid line... I know a killer one. Shut up. Like, oh God, yeah. that, I don't know why that annoyed me so much. God damn, I hate that character. And the speech, the speech is very, you know, um, Citizen Kane, Triumph of Will, with like this evil leader, like speaking out mm. uh, over the big groups and things like that. It's, it, you know, they're, they're trying to do a lot of this, um, you know, uh, epic looking scenes. And they just kind of all fell flat. Pretty much. I mean, there was a... The only really amazing scene I think in this entire episode was Danny finally in the Iron Throne, uh, where where the, the roof mm. is collapsed and you know she she's touching it and it's yeah. just that was a very beautiful scene, very beautiful. And even Drogon just you know taking a nap there while the ash falls around, ash snow, whatever mm. the fuck that is, and you know John going up there. Once again, her it wasn't earned. Everybody and their mothers <laughs> has made a video about it. It wasn't earned what happened here, but I I actually I actually wrote in my notes. I know a killer when I see one. Dumbest line of the show, even dumber than bad pussy. I, this is what I wrote down. Oh, man. Okay. Really? See, see you got to make a video of like the top, top five, top ten dumbest lines in the show. That would be your number one? That would be my number one. That would be the number one dumbest. I mean, you know, people laugh about like the chicken, the chicken line, the chicken line and the pussy line. 
Really? Because <laughs> no. I really fucking hate, like, I thought the sea was called the sea because it's as far as At least that makes sense. I, uh, please don't encourage it. Uh, so <laughs> okay, we get so, up to John talking to Danny, and event, obviously yes. he kills her. Now, this is where the entire episode goes downhill, way more so than it was before. Um, Drogon just yeah, reacting I mean, yeah. the way he reacts. Okay, I guess. He's throwing a tantrum, melting the iron throne. Heavy-handed. Yeah, heavy-handed, yeah. Eighth grade book report. And yeah. and then picking her picking her up and, and flying off with her, and then... And then we get the t- a short little time skip where he's in jail, and uh, it's just, eh. right where all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, Grey Worm is out of character, right, and has calmed down and has let all of these people that have killed the most important person in his life um, live. And you could also argue that Tyrion here is also a true bad guy as well, because you could almost—it's almost like Tyrion is trying to go John into killing her. Oh, he de- he definitely is. <laughs> He's completely and utterly goading John. You could really make a theory about Tyrion being a Lannister loyalist until the very end. You really could. Yeah, it's true. Like you, like like what you like in season seven, how he was like totally trying to spare Jaime and Cersei from Dragonfire the entire time, and then seeing them, you know, dead in the rubble, and then quitting, and then trying to get John to to do this. I mean, you could really make that theory very plausible. Very plausible. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Unfortunately, in the book, we have his interior interior monologue, and we know that he's like has a love hate relationship with his family. So, <laughs> but the uh, but yes, you could you could definitely make the argument that he was scheming um, either for himself or for his family to be on the. Throne, and what and what makes it know? even more plausible is remember the the last shot that Tyrion ever appears in in, in season seven. Which is essentially when John and Danny, when John goes to Danny's room and they're closing the door, and all of a sudden it pans to Tyrion. Oh, right. He has that face, like he has that. Oh damn! I wanted her for myself. It's almost like that face, like that's that's almost like the face he was making, like oh. And yeah, I mean, yeah, and and that's probably one of the only scenes where we really get that Tyrion is in love with Danny. Like he, so in the end, he confesses to John that he's that. One of the big reasons that he was following Danny is that he was in love right. with her. Um, and wait, wait. This is the one thing I disagree with you on. I didn't get the vibe that he was in love with her. I get the vibe that he like he can see why people love her. Like he kind of looks up to her and respects her in a sense. Like he understands her, kinda. I didn't get the feeling that he was in love with her, but that he loves her. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I got I got that idea. I mean, he, you know, I mean. He, I guess I made the comparison. <clears throat> made the comparison because he made the line. I didn't do it as successfully as you. So he's comparing his love to romantic love, and I and I grant that in English, there is a lot of conflation of different types of love. Right. When when um, uh, people so when people get married, they they always there's this um there's this passage from the New Testament about love. Love is patient and da 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 da, that you hear at a lot of weddings, and. It turns out that in Greek, they have different words for different types mm. of love. And there's romantic love, and there's platonic, you know, there's love between friends, right. love towards a, a fellow man, love between a, a, a man and a young boy, all of these things. And the, that it's a different, the Bible actually, because the New Testament is from Greek, uh, that passage is mistranslated, you know, that you're, you're not supposed to be talking about ro- 
this is, it was not romantic love that they're talking about when they say that, you know, love is patient mm -hmm. and all of this. Um, and so, you know, in English, you can have that conflation. He's talking about love, and then he's talking about John's romantic love with Danny. And so I got the hint that Tyrion had romantic feelings for Danny as well. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's, no, his, his love for her as a person. I don't know. Hard hmm. to say. So then we get the trial or, or slash election scene. And I, like I said, I do like <laughs> that we have the Lords of Westeros there. It, it, once again, it bugs me that we don't know everybody there. But some people have yeah. seats at the table when they kind of shouldn't. Like, who the fuck is Sam? Does this house Tarly by what? by royal? Why the hell is Ar? Why the hell is well, Ari? Well, of course, there? there's no or Bran. No reason Ari. Bran, I guess, because he's the Lord of Winterfell now, as the only male heir. A brother's a three-eyed raven uh, or something. I don't know. I, I, it's like it's like Bran. You're right. Bran shouldn't be. I guess there. it's like when Gandalf Arya attends the meeting. I mean, it, it's whatever. But why the f right? Why is Davos there? You know, like a lot of why is Brienne? There? Isn't Brienne there? Davos is there because I don't think Brienne. No, Brienne's Brienne is, not there. No, maybe Brienne. Is, Brienne. But is Davos not there. is there, I guess, because is Davos there? I don't remember if Davos being there. Davos okay. is there. Davos, because at the end he's like, I'm not sure if I get a vote, and you're like, you're right, you're not sure, because you're not sure if you should fucking be here. Well, Davos is there because he's John's right hand, so I guess that means something. He's John's hand of the king. Maybe he speaks for. John, but John doesn't have a station either, right? John is just warden of the north. Right. And Sam is there because I in my head canon, royal decree was that the Tyrells were removed as wardens of the south and lords paramount of the reach and that was given to House Tarly cuz House Tarly sides with the Lannisters. So therefore, and then I, and then Sam just gives it up to to Bronn. <laughs> so, I guess Sam as head of his household now is Lord Paramount of the Reach, and that's why he's there. But all the other there's some lords in there I didn't recognize. But I'm glad Bronze Young Royce was there. We get to see Sweet Robin again. Yeah. I'm glad Edmure was there. That's something I was really hoping for, and all that stuff. Yeah. New Prince of Dorne, Yara Greyjoy. We all have our our characters who are there. I honestly expected way more lords and ladies than that, but I guess there 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 should have been. Mm -hmm. I mean. We know that there's, you know, Simon Fossaway, like um, that's Sam's brother-in-law. We know that there are other Dornish lords. We know that there are. Um, uh, we know that there must be other other uh, Freys. I mean, come on, somebody has to inherit the twins. Like she didn't kill any of the females or the children. So yeah, I mean, not to mention all the other northern lords that we know exist. Right. Like. What happened to Glover? Or Manderley, and yeah. Manderley. <laughs> I don't know. So they they elect Bran as king. I still don't understand why exactly. I mm. he had the best he had the best story. Best story, Carmine. The best story. Hmm. The actor Isaac Hempstead, <laughs> who plays Bran, he he came out recently and he said like he sincerely hopes that George keeps the uh, the ending where Bran does become king in the books. Um, I gotta severely disagree with that. I, I don't know who should become king in the books, but I, I don't want it to be Bran because I just can't see that being a good story. Maybe if George writes it down and it, it's more convincing, like he said it's gonna be, it's actually gonna have an, a good build up and lead up to it. Sure, but I just can't <clears throat> yeah. see that making. I can't really see that being good. So I always I always had the feeling that um, that the, on the way the books would end. So. 
my prediction on how the books was, would end would be either a brand chapter because that's how it starts. Yeah, it would be it would be a brand chapter, and it would be. I figured it would be like some sort of political statement about how like brands like mind somehow connects with every citizen on the continent and that they're somehow all linked like a, in a werewood net somehow. Mm. Um, and it would be like a metaphor for communism taking over because George R. Barton is, you know, actually a communist. And, <laughs> what? And, really? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. He has a lot of commun- He has a lot of sympathies, at least in his early, at least in his early to mid writing. I mean, I'm, maybe once he became a bazillionaire, he, he went back to being a super capitalist. But like he's, you know, he's a super hippie. He, you know, he's a super hippie, and he, um, you know, he believes in like, you know, uh, he believes in like people. He doesn't believe in. Um, he certainly doesn't believe in capitalism, mm. um, you know, but he believes in, you know, people living together and being in harmony with nature. And, and I mean, these are all things he hopes for and strives for. So I kind of like was like, well, what is communism? Isn't it like everyone living communally and equally? Could that be achieved if we were all in the if we we're all in the werewood net in some way? So like if Bran had established some sort of like link where all human beings were like, aware of each other in a, in a network um, and that Bran could be the king in that sense. Um, he could bring peace by like, See, you know, mind control. This is everyone. where I break off with you because that would be an okay ending for a book in the Thousand Worlds series. Like that, that would be like <laughs> an okay ending for that. But people really don't care about the political, like you're the only Game of Thrones YouTuber that I have, that I know who I think you're the only Game of Thrones YouTuber, period, who has read George's previous works and you're making these connections about his, you know, political affiliations and his ideas and stuff. But I think a majority of the fan base really doesn't care whether he's a communist or not. They just really want a good ending to a medieval dark fantasy. Um, they don't really mm. care about, you know, feminism or anything like that. I'm sure some people do. I'm, I'm sure. But at the end of the day... Not to be an asshole, but it is just titties and dragons and sword fighting and, you know, magical spells <laughs> being thrown every now and then. And people want, yeah. you know, their, I don't want to say a Michael Bay ending, but something akin to it where, you know, it's a satisfying conclusion. And with Game of Thrones, I don't think there is a satisfying conclusion. I think making Bran the king is probably the most neutral decision ever. Because I would love for yeah. my number one choice for king is Littlefinger. I'm just going to be honest. But my number two choice yeah. would be, logically, uh, uh, Gendry. Because he has that Baratheon blood. Yeah. He's Robert's son. Robert's grandmother mm-hmm. was Targaryen. And as such, uh, Renly's great-grandmother is Targaryen. Uh, Renly. Uh, Gendry's great-grandmother is Targaryen. Therefore, I think he should sit on the throne. Or maybe... I don't know. <clears throat> I, I always... Yeah. I've always felt like a Targaryen pretender would rise up out of nowhere and everybody would claim, declare for that motherfucker. Yeah. So, so one of the big things that, that like I wrestled with when like trying to predict the ending is that there's a clear problem that's established throughout the entire story, and that is, you know, succession um, is bullshit, and it's always gonna it's always gonna re- produce horrible horrible leaders, and even demo- even democracy is horrible producing bad leaders and 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 the book goes in ad nauseum about this thing that even if you have a good leader for a short period of time he's just going to die and we're going to get another bad leader and it's just war is going to continue so the question is is like what in the end can actually unite people and get them to stop killing each other democracy um 
Well, this is this is the thing is we so what is it? You know, okay, could it be, you know, democracy? Well, that's, you know, it's very optimistic. Um and then I was like, okay, could it be something, could it be communism? You know, like it could it be something science fiction-y where like they all become a hive mind. Um now what and, and so this this was the fun the fundamental problem why I always rejected L plus L R plus L equals J with John sitting the throne is that that the entire story establishes that that's a problem. Succession is a problem and that a person sitting the iron throne isn't going to do shit because they eventually die and somebody else takes over. So how do you unite everyone? Now, the way the show went, which kind of sounds like George as well, was that a good story unites everybody. Um, which kind of fell flat because the last season was really horrible and not a good story. And so, you know, that's what they went with. And I do kind of feel like that is probably George's ending, that, ah, oh, really good story unites people. Yeah, and that can bring peace. You could also look at it in, the, in a way where a really bad story unites people in hatred against it, like season eight did. So. <laughs> <laughs> because they were saying for the longest time that everybody's going to disagree on the ending, and they do. Like, But they made it sound like people were going to disagree and some people were going to really like it. No, nobody really liked it. And everybody ended up agreeing that it was terrible and uniting behind that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Didn't bring peace, though. It's also the big jump that somehow a good story can, can bring peace and unite people together. I mean, like I say, it's an inaccurate establishment of what, like, tribe and ethnicity is. Like, tribe and ethnicity is, you know, not really about shared histories um, and shared stories, you know, unless, unless you all choose to identify with, you know, with it. Like, identity is what brings people together culturally, like not not a story, um, so it, it's a little off, but it does seem like George's ending, um, in that it's loopy, you know, <laughs> it's loopy and it addresses the fundamental problem of what do you deal, how do you deal with this horrible system of succession and how do you get rid of war, you know, I don't think D and D would have done that on their own. Like I don't think D and D would have been like, yes, we need to figure out how to stop war and how to stop succession. You know, I also don't think uh, a majority of the casual fandom really likes Bran's character. Uh, for me, Bran stops being interesting after season three. I just don't care about oh, him yeah. after that. And I think that's one of the major reasons, major major issues people have with Bran becoming king is because, like, fuck it, he, he wasn't really a, a candidate vying for it. You know, I guess the bitter for me a bittersweet ending would have been I guess Stannis taking the throne because once again nobody really likes Stannis either. I do because of the books, yeah. but. Eh, like, well, what's what you what you like about Bran in the book? If one likes Bran in the book, many people don't. But if you are one to like Bran in the book, it's about his sympathetic nature, like his suffering, his longing, how he misses his mother, how he misses his father, his loneliness. You know, um, that's what you're going to connect to. That he's this scared boy who who's trying to you know go through this horrific adventure in the show he's the actor chose to play it you know without emotion um after season five and so at that point you know he's done you can't connect with someone that doesn't have emotion well no his emotion 
No, he had emotion in a sense. It's coming like half of season six. There is emotion there. He is still Bran, and then he gets all the memories, and I guess he forgets who he really is with the influx of memories he has now, and so on and so forth. He becomes robot Bran. It's just you can't really relate to someone with no personality. So like you really can't. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's yeah. Season... He's not even the bathroom sign like John is. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's um, no one relates to a robot. Yeah, no, I mean, once he becomes Brandbot, the Brandbot nine thousand, like. Which I guess is the beginning of season seven. Yeah, he's he's not relatable. And why would you want that person to be ruling? Exactly. So the election happens, and then everything just goes in a completely awful turn. Um, so many people become a part of Bran's small council that shouldn't even be there. Like, who the fuck is Bran? That was done for fan service. That's <laughs> awful fan service. In fact... There's awesome. something actually. You know what? Um, where can I message you? Because I don't want to spoil something. If this is the actual ending to, to Rise of Skywalker, do you mind if I? Supposedly, the, supposedly <laughs> the leak of Rise of Skywalker ending came out, and it's not going to spoil too much. Trust me. But can I message this to you on Facebook yeah, yeah, or yeah, Skype? Sure. Facebook. Okay. Fine. I, I guess supposedly this is the end to Rise of Skywalker. It, this is shit fan service. How does that make any fucking sense? Like, they have no connection yeah. to that. But it's... Nobody it's does. None of those characters do. Yet, they're all there. Why? Because the fandom likes it. Because the fandom has a connection to it. That's the only reason. Yeah. That's yeah. shit fan no, service. I, I, and Braun being uh, Master of Coin? Is... Yeah, I guess is, so. is, and, High, and Lord of Highgarden? Ah. I guess because High Garden's a thing that we need to like kind of close out, right? And and Sam Sam shouldn't be there, and um, I'm trying to think anybody should really be there. Like Brienne was not sworn to to Bran; she was sworn to Sansa. Right. She should be in the north with Sansa. Right. <clears throat> Sam is an acolyte who abandoned the Citadel. He's going to be Grand Maester. Um. What, who else? Who else are we talking about? Tyrion, the the worst choice maker, <laughs> like the dumbest leader ever, is going to be Hand, um, and then Bronn, and then I guess Davos is master of ships. Right. I guess that makes sense, but again, you know, <sighs> Bran doesn't really have a relationship with Davos, but okay. But Davos has kind of. Need to be a th- he, like he, you just can't like write a story off as him just going home. That just would not be satisfying. Right. He's been there since season two. I guess some people like Davos. I guess he's the voice of reason right. here. And I mean, it's like how they suddenly made Davos and and Tyrion friends. Like when did that happen? Like you get you you one don't know each other, and if you did, you'd hate each other. And all of a sudden they're buds. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, there's no reason for them to all be uh, but they are. And what else? What's west of Westeros? Who fucking cares? I mean, that's that was, I guess that was, wasn't that like back in season six that she made the decision that she wanted to go west of yeah. Westeros for some random reason? But it has nothing nothing to do with her nothing character. Nothing to do with it's her just, character. She's never like expressed interest in exploring or adventuring in previous seasons, ever. Yeah. Like, ever. Like, I don't think, oh, you know, you know who, who's got this, that... Joie de vivre and like wants to live life, Arya. Like I didn't get no. that. I didn't get no. that impression. The only the only impression I got from Arya is that she doesn't want to marry a lordling. 
nor does she want to be a lady. Uh, she just wants to go around uh, fucking people up and, and kicking ass. I mean, I guess her. I guess her. I'll admit that her losing her virginity is on that theme, but that's about it. But at the same time, what do you do with her character? Like, where does Arya go? Where does this faceless men assassin with all these abilities go now? I wanted Arya to go back to the House of Black and White. For me, that would have been my ending for Arya. You know, the, the final scene of her is yeah. her showing up at the House of Black and White and Jockin opening the door. He gives her a smile and then closes the door. She's inside, and that's how it so, ends. So in my fixed situation, I had her leaving more in an exile, like knowing that like she couldn't stay around because she'd created a cycle of vengeance. That like there would be Freys out there, and they would want to get back at House Stark. They, they wouldn't get back at her, and that she's endangering her loved ones by remaining. And so I had her like leave because she needs to leave, you know, because like they would come after Sansa. They would come after her and Sansa. But House Frey is, is almost extinct now. I mean, she probably didn't kill the but kids. That, that but that was the thing is like, no, she didn't kill the kids or women, but th this is the whole thing. Like, um, like how Stark, they didn't kill the kids or women. Like that's the whole thing. Like, like the women came, the the, chi the children and the women came back for revenge with House Stark, and who did she not kill with House Frey? The children and the women. Like okay, right. But you like this is what I would want. Like I, I hope the DVD Blu-ray does this because there would be no other reason to buy it. Um, like they have like an After Thrones thing. Like what happens to every single character? What happens to Yara? What does Yara do after the election? What about Edmure? Does he take over the Riverlands? Does he install his own people? to uh, monitor House Frey? Like, does he forgive House Frey? I doubt it, but, like, like what happens afterwards? Like, is Arya ever seen again? Because don't... I, I'm sure there's a story. I forgot. Someone was telling me about this, and I don't remember. There's, I think there's a story in Fire and Blood where someone goes beyond um, what's out there, where Arya's going, and they're never seen again. Yeah. So, yeah. what happens to yeah. Arya? Does Jon truly stay in the North? Did the Dothraki right. ride up there and keep tabs it just, on him? It just... It just bugs me that, you know, revenge is supposed to be an endless cycle of violence, except when it's not. Except when our, our, our heroes do the last right. one. You know, this is actually my problem with The Godfather. Like, The Godfather ends with the, with the same illogic. That, like, okay, like, you killed the head of all the rest of the families. There's still all the other members of the rest of the families. And the entire story of The Godfather is about how if you, t if you take out the head, the children are still mm -hmm. there. And there's, you know, and it's an endless cycle of violence. It's, it's just, it's an endless cycle of violence until it's not, until it's convenient for the plot. And it's funny too because yes. that was the entire. I, I like The Godfather. That was the entire uh, plan of the Turk and the, the Bazzini family and uh, the Tatalias. You know, they took, they tried taking yeah. out Vito, and then they went immediately for Sonny. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and they tried right. taking out Michael too, in, while he's in Sicily. The only the only character right. the only one the only son they didn't try taking out was Fredo and that's because Fredo was in uh, Las Vegas Fre and Fredo Fredo's Fredo, Fredo. <laughs> so but somehow Michael implements the exact same strategy and it works all of a sudden oh all the other families are are complacent after their heads are taken out like v when Vito dies no you you you've you've woken the dragon but. If if you do it to all the other families, no, they they all they all roll over. It does it, it, it like the very premise. Like look, The Godfather beautifully acted, beautifully filmed, but no, the fundamental plot 
doesn't make any sense. And the fun, and it's the same with Godfather 2. Godfather 2 is even worse. Like, <laughs> in the sense that the plot makes no sense, but... So, whatever. the Dothraki are... I don't, I don't understand if they remain there or if they get on the ship of the Unsullied. It'd be kind of weird for them to get on the ship of the Unsullied since they don't really have any relationship to each other or any friendship. I guess they, I guess they stay, you know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs in Westeros. They need men. Well, what was your, what was your thought that they're going to stay to keep tabs to make sure Jon stays up there in exile? Yeah, yeah. That they're going to be given land, married, married in, and then if Jon ever returns, they would... They would um, they would kill him, and it keeps him uh, keeps him out of the seven. But is kingdoms. that confirmed? That's what's happening because I don't. No, this is this is completely my head <laughs> What are you talking about? Because there's no, no reason. No, they just didn't think there's about. There's no this. reason for them to be there. Just they go just, home. Like, what are you doing? They didn't. They didn't. Th- they didn't think about this with John. They didn't think about this with the with the with the uh, Dothraki. I am taking two badly. Uh, left loose ends and tying them up. How, how do we feel about but, Sansa being Queen of the North? I mean, I've always wanted Sansa. I, I'm actually, this is a video that's been a long time coming. I've always wanted Sansa to take every lesson from Littlefinger and Cersei and implement them, but you never, she never does. She's just kind yeah, of there as does. a member of the Starks. She never uses Ramsay's like tactics against him. She never uses any lessons she's learned from Littlefinger. You kind of see right. hints of it, kind of. After the Battle of Winterfell, where a lot of these ladies are, like, you know, shacking up with the men, you kind of get the hint that Sansa is the one, you know, having all these these maids and, you know, uh, wenches of Winterfell shack up with these guys to get information. Kind of like how Littlefinger used with his brothels. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and you get, you, get, you, get a, you get a hint of it with her telling Tyrion of Jon's Right. Lineage. And, you, like, she's kind of playing the Game of Thrones. Not really. I don't, I don't consider her... But it doesn't, it doesn't amount right. to anything. I don't consider cause... her telling Tyrion... Playing the Game of Thrones, it, it's not. I don't consider that yeah. a thing. But it, and it doesn't amount. I mean, it amounts to Varys dying. Right. But that's about it. Like so, it. Uh, Sansa being queen in the North. Okay, cool. Once again, I think that's major fan fan service because they've abused this poor girl for seven seasons, for six seven seasons, and now I guess she finally gets her comeuppance. But it doesn't really. She didn't really earn it like John did. Right. So, eh. I mean, the only thing that's kind of nice with it is that they 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 establish that that Sansa is very good at ruling. That she knows about logistics. You know, she's worried about leather on the breastplates <laughs> and how much food they have and stuff like that. That the only thing they establish is that she's going to be a good leader. She's going to be a good manager. Um, more probably more than any other le- person, they establish her as a good leader. What a few scenes um, of her telling them to put leather on the, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, and worrying about food and, and and stuff like that. That's that's. But I'm saying they don't do that with anybody else. Like you know, why why is Yara a good leader? That's I don't really know. small. That's <laughs> like a, like that's like a like now you're grasping at straws here. That's really small. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but okay, so all right. Arya fucks off. Sansa becomes queen. Okay. Everybody, every character on that small council shouldn't be there. Literally shouldn't be there. Should be there. And right. Jon goes beyond the wall. Okay, this is the final thing. Please tell the audience. I'm, I need to go turn something off real quick. I'll be right back in five seconds. Please tell the audience while I'm gone the leaks that you read to me that would have made this entire episode awesome and would have led into the fucking prequel about the White Walkers. Go ahead. But, but the leaks that we read was John and Tormund go north of the Wall, and then while they're traveling north to resettle the wildlings, they come across 
uh, white body or the like uh, another symbol in the snow with dead bodies <laughs> that are the same as in the very first episode of Game of Thrones with with uh, um, with uh, with Royce. You know, in that first episode where he finds like the the the, the phi or or sigma in the in the snow in dead bodies, he finds again some sort of symbol in the snow showing that the White Walkers were not destroyed and that they're still around. And yeah. that would have been the most amazing ending ever. Like you ended on a nice little cliff, anonymous cliffhanger that it's the cycle is continue again. Yeah. They're not really destroyed. Why? And then I, this would be my plan. For Blood Moon, I would have them make it to where the Raven is the true enemy. And the fucking Raven mm. in the main series is now the king. He's the true enemy, and the White Walkers are... Like, I've always... There's this one... I forgot the movie. I'm sure someone in the comments section is going to, like, bust me over the head with it. There's a movie about... They're at a hospital, and, like, there's some weird sorcery going on. And it turns out one of the head doctors is, like, this demonic possessed guy. And he has the power to bring people... I forgot the name of the fucking movie. It was not a bad movie, actually. At the end of the movie, they're transported to another dimension with a huge pyramid. It's really cool. Um, oh, are you talking about Prince... I think it's called Prince of Darkness? It's the time travel at the end? No, fuck. Uh, whatever. And he brings back dead people to life. And a lot of the, lot of the dead corpses are trying to, like, kill themselves again because, you know, they're, it's painful. Oh, it's not... So, no, not Prince of Darkness. Crap. It's it, it's actually got um, the Beverly Crusher um, actress. Uh, it, that, well, it doesn't matter, Preston. I'll find it for you later. No, I'll, I'll find f- it. I'll find I'll it for you. Gotta you find it. F- you do this all the time. You do this all the time. This is because I remember, I re- well, we might be thinking about completely different movies, but... Um, I, you know, I have something that, that I remember that I was just like, oh, that was an incredible movie. But The Void. That's the name of the film. The Void. Void. Different one. Different one. Okay. So in I the think. movie, like, the guy brings back dead people. And the dead people are just, like, trying to freaking kill themselves because, you know, they don't want to be alive. And I feel like that's the White Walkers. They're, like, they're cursed. And the Raven is the, the one true enemy that they need to defeat in order for them to be lifted from this curse. Kind of like uh, in Lord of the Rings, the, the dead guys, you know, so on and so forth. Aragorn releases them from the curse. So, yeah, this would have led into Blood Moon, but they didn't do this. It was in the leaks. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why they didn't do this, because it, it would have been a perfect, it would have been a perfect ending. It would have been a perfect, it's like poetry, it rhymes, because that's how the first episode starts and the last episode ends with this. The cycle continues. It's not over. The 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 what is it? The, the sigma, the theta symbol. Yeah, or something. A circle with a line through. Right, right. That's like it's it's happening again. It's starting all over again, and boom, it ends. And it may, it may, it gives it gives purpose to to Bran wanting to get Drogon back. Right. Like, why does Bran want to why? find Drogon? That, that was just a random line thrown. It's it's just a <coughs> excuse me. It's Bran's last line in the entire show. So, a so lot weird. of open so threads here. A lot of stories that aren't really contained. Like I would have, like I would have loved like one of those like high school show, like high school movies where it's like you know, and then Brad went on to be a lawyer, and Ben he went on to be a firefighter, and like you know, like it, it closes out like you know with a nice like not even not even a voiceover, just like you know like a some text you know that tells you what happens to the character 
Like the end of Fast Times at yes, Richmond High? Yes, thank you. Or, or I was like... waiting for you to say that. I <laughs> did not have the movie. It was on the tip of my tongue. But yes, yes, that's what I kind of wanted, you know? And Arya is never seen again. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. You know, John marries yeah. another woman, a redhead, of course, and he becomes he becomes king of the wall. You know, uh, I think that might be a little, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> uh, but no, I would love stuff like that. I would love a story set a hundred years after the end of the show that kind of hints to the legacy of our characters. Just just a bit. What do you think? No. <sighs> I think right now people need a rest from all the. The main characters from the show. I, I, I'm actually inclined um, to agree, but these. Yeah. Well, we've been with these main characters for ten years, and their story a sudden, just abruptly ends with no real conclusion in a sense to most of them. Like Brienne, like who cares? <laughs> Davos, who cares? What about Bran? Does Bran really give a power? Does he ever get Drogon? What about John? Does John really stay in the North? Like, does he really stay there? And and and, and like you know, what about? A, I don't know. It just. I don't know. The ending just doesn't sit well with me. It just doesn't. I don't think it's set well with anyone. Nah. <laughs> uh. All right. So are we are we are we are we about ready to put this put this to bed? I, we've been talking. I, I you know? think so. And and it's it's just it's it's bittersweet because you know we've been doing this for five years now. I've been doing it for five years. I think you came for. Yeah, I think you yeah. came almost a year later. I've been doing this for five years. You know, I've met a lot of people, and I love Game of Thrones. It's just a shame that this is a black mark on the show's history. It really is. I can't give it a zero out of, out of ten. I can't give it your three out of ten. I'd have to give it a five out of ten. And the reason why is because five out of ten, below average. Which is, mm. for, a, for a show that was once, you know, lauded as one of the greatest television shows of all time, that really is, might as well be a zero. The reason I can't give it a zero or a three or anything lower than a five is because, yeah, the writing was trash, of course, but everything else was spot on. I mean, episode yeah. three, everybody hates, but the one thing you you can't tell me you hate is the song that comes on when the Night King is walking towards Bran. That is such a great sure. theme. I love that theme. I, I listen to that theme every now and then just because it's so awesome. It's a shame that it's you know in an awful episode, but there it is. The costume. The acting, the thing you said about Grey Worm, which I've never noticed, but I, you know, the thing about Cersei, like, everybody was on their A-game. They really were. And, I don't know, like, everything was great. Cinematography was great. The CGI was Hollywood level, if not, like, close to it. Uh, music was good. Everybody was good. Everybody was, you know, I've always said Game of Thrones is one of the, the best shows that have cast the right amount of people for, like, Charles Dance feels like he was born to play Tywin. You know, Lena Headey with Cersei, mm. Sean Bean with Ned Stark. Like, everybody was just really good in their roles. And it's just a shame that this is what it is. Ah, <sighs> so sad. So sad. So but sad. don't worry, guys. Uh, well, let's wrap this up, Preston. We will be back with more Game All of right. Thrones podcast. I'll still continue doing Thrones videos, as well as other stuff as well. Preston and I will be back with Watchmen for, for also a podcast. We will also be back with The Mandalorian uh, the Star Wars trailer actually drops today at the time of this recording, Preston. So if you oh, want to really? do that, we I'll have to look out for it. I don't know. Yeah, I'll we'll do like a nice it, little yeah. podcast, make it a Patreon exclusive for our patrons. Um, you know, we want to show them some love because they are keeping us afloat even after uh, the dry throne seasons now. And uh, we will be back with the prequels, of course, when it comes to the television show. But we're also going back to the books. 
uh, with Fire and Blood. I believe we stopped at a time of testing. Hmm. So, uh, guys, once again, thank you so much for joining us and being patient with us. We'll see you all again next time. Have a good one.